You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Okay, and welcome back to the Oz Network. Uh, still pushing through. Uh, maybe you've just listened to part one of Through the Looking Glass. This is part two, published uh, on the same day. So if you're a big Oz Network fan, just like this finale, you can watch in one big go. Um, but they still there separately in the UK. So if you're a British listener, stop this and wait one week and um, come back. Um, but yeah, welcome back. Uh, we're continuing on for the epic two-part Lost finale through the Looking Glass, uh, as mentioned earlier, air, aired on uh, May 23rd, 2007. Carlton Cuse, Damon Lindelof, Jack Bender, we're back, continuing our coverage. My name is Noah, and Ben, I'm sick of lying. And hi, I'm Benjamin. I don't believe we've met. <laughs> this is, part one was much more quotable than yeah. part two, even even though part two has two of the most epic quotes in the history of the show. One's not even um, said. It's just on a hand. Yeah, one, one's <laughs> on a hand, and it's still one of the most iconic quotes. Actually, can show. we back up? Hang um, on, I'm doing my quote right now. Hang on. Too soon. Yeah, we'll jump straight back into it. We've already talked a lot about part two, but part uh, yeah, this this is a sad one. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about it a lot, but anything you want to say about part two before we jump back into the recap? Oh, I mean, yeah, this is just got to be in the top two, three episodes in our final rankings by a long shot. Uh, I mean, arguably one of the top 20, 30 TV episodes in the history of TV, maybe top 10. Uh, It's just that good. Um, So, yeah, and the last 15 minutes, Jesus. Uh, (laughs) Jesus himself couldn't do better than that. Like, he could show up on Earth and be like, yay, I have risen again. And everyone be like, shut up, the last 15 minutes have lost. 23 episode 23 is on. <laughs> they have to go back, Jesus. Just be quiet. Um, yeah, but I agree completely. The last 15 minutes and the two iconic. But one thing I want to stress about this two-part finale is I don't want people to think that it's great just for the last epic 15 yeah, minutes. Agree. Because this two-part... There's so much good stuff throughout this whole two episodes, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, like, yeah, the last 15 minutes are just incredible, but, like, nothing in this episode is bad. Um, Claire's in it, but she has, like, three lines. Um, But, I mean, everything, like, just, you know, you you think that Jin, Saeed, and uh, Bernard are dead. Um, Like, you think that... Just so much stuff that happens in this episode is just incredible. Uh, so, um, yeah, like, it's it's not just the last 15 minutes. It's everything. It's everything about this episode. Because, I mean, if it was just the last 15 minutes and the other stuff was kind of meh, then you're like, kind of like, oh, okay, you know, it's a top 15 episode of Lost. But, you know, I think that it's, it's usually between this and an episode next season that's often regarded as the greatest episode of Lost. So... Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, we're only a few weeks away from that too, so it's kind of like we get basically the two greatest episodes of Lost, you would argue, in the space of, what, six weeks, seven weeks, is it? Yeah, there's some good stuff coming. Um, 
I'm excited to get to that one too. Um, but jumping back, I, I think maybe it's appropriate to, to the flashback, but maybe we'll leave the last scene for the end. Um, but we have Jack and he's in his hammer, uh, listening to the Nirvana song that I mentioned earlier. Um, and he's got the cutout from the newspaper from the plane. And this is where he goes to the funeral home. And uh, we learn that nobody showed up. And the guy asks, oh, are you a friend or family? And Jack says, oh, I'm neither. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Poor gummy Joe. Uh, did you have, everyone had their theories, but did you have any sort of guess as to who was in the coffin at this point? Uh, no, because, I mean, again, I'm thinking it's a flashback. So, I mean, yeah, I, I can't off the top of my head automatically go, oh, I, I always thought it was this person. So, no. Uh, and then even when it's a flash forward, um, when you realise what it is, even then it's kind of, well, it could be literally anyone of the survivors <laughs> at least. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't have a logical one that I, I thought it would be. They actually filmed, to not spoil the ending, three alternate kind of versions in Season 4 of Locke, Sawyer, and Desmond. Uh, You can actually watch the different versions um, just to avoid spoilers. Um, But, yeah, I guess there is no no real hint (laughs) um, as to who it could be. Um, Later, Drac is trying to get some more pills at the pharmacy... Uh, and there's a customer who calls Jack a hero, which we think is related to the car crash, but very well could be related to the plane crash more so. Mm. Um, and I like this moment, knowing it's a flash forward, where he says, oh, Dr. Shepard, you can't give yourself a prescription. This <laughs> is from my father, Christian Shepard, which th- this is why it's great to rewatch because you see how far Jack has really fallen that's bad enough that he's addicted to pills, but that he's trying to use his dead father to get a prescription. You really get a sense of, oh my god, this guy's at his end. Mm. Yeah, and I don't think we really spoke about it much in part one, but we'll speak about it now, I guess, too. That I mean, Matthew Fox is incredible here. Uh, you know, I mean, we we joke about where is he, like you know, um, but I mean, it is a shame. It is it, in all seriousness, it is a shame <laughs> that he hasn't sort of you know, had a career afterwards that you would probably think he should have had because there's no denying he's an incredible actor. And I think just, you know, the desperation and everything that he's showing is just, it is so good. Uh, and particularly the final scene. Uh, so yeah, so good. Oh yeah. He gives a good performance. Um, he, he, he's normally better playing, uh, emo depressed than he is playing happy old Matthew Fox, which maybe reflects uh, life as well. I don't know. Um, he never seemed happy. Um, but, uh, speaking of Christian Shepard, he's back in the hospital looking for the charts and, uh, the new chief of surgery wants to have a talk with him. Um, this is where he questions him about what what exactly were you doing on the bridge? Because as the patient said um, that she saw a man standing on the bridge. And then this is another kind of subtle line of, do you have any idea of what I've been through? Mm. Which we think is just his divorce or something. But this guy survived a plane crash and was terrorized by others and eventually got off and had to lie. 
So I guess next season we'll talk more about why Jack is at the state he is at. I feel like we need to see those episodes first for context. But there is absolutely reasons why he's at his end like this. Um, The build-up to it, we'll see. He goes through so much. And the lying that he mentions later. But we'll see a lot more of that and the eventual downfall next season. Um, And this is where he also says, like, look, how about this? You get my father down here. Hmm. And if I'm drunker than he is, you can fire me. Which... Knowing it's a flash forward, that's just sad. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's a look, and like, I think the subtleness of it too, because again, like what we the said The doctor last, does a great job. Just his, his reaction, yeah, just his, it's, like, it's a blink and you miss just reaction, because clearly he knows his dad's dead. Um, and just the way he sort of reacts is just, you know, because I'm sure this doctor knows who he is and like, I mean, he knows who he is. I mean, like in terms of like yeah. the plane crash and everything, because we're going to find out that, you know, they're big celebrities. So... um yeah, it's just, it's heartbreaking. It It's almost like, not horror movie-like, but knowing the truth, it's almost a little kind of creepy and like, you write about this new chief of surgery, Dr. Hamill, and there's no way they told this guy the flash-forward twist. Mm. So the director, Jack Bender, has done an amazing job of telling this guy, like, you act like uh, Jack is crazy and that his father is dead without giving away the flash forward. Because the guy does an amazing blink and you miss it, as you mentioned, like, oh, my God, like, this guy's lost it. His dad died three years ago. Like, um, it's a little haunting, this entire sequence, I think. Mm. And because this is the last flash scene, isn't it, until the, the ending, right? So, like, kind of it's... yeah. We don't really get in. And again, it's, it's still to this point, we're kind of thinking like, well, what's the point of this? But again, because this episode is sort of so epic, it's kind of just, you you, you look over it, really. Um, but again, just when we get to the ending, it's like, holy fuck, this whole time? Like, that was incredible. So, I think it, uh, it'd be better to leave the final scene for the end, right? I and would, definitely we'll come back. that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll jump back to this. We have to go time. back! Yeah, we have, We'll have to go back to this uh, <laughs> at the end. Um, so jumping back to the island, uh, and we have a nice little touching Russo. I really like Russo in this episode. Uh, but she said she was last at the tower when she recorded the message 16 years ago. And she tells Jack that she's not leaving the island. Uh, the, the, there's no place for her left. Which, it's sad, but it makes sense for her character, right? That she's How been here for French. sixteen she's years. She's got to run away. So, <laughs> and it's kind of really sad. Like she was last at the tower. I really like how this episode kind of links with the pilot. That this big plot line right now can link back to episode two of the show, pilot part two, when they first hear her message. And it feels like we've come so far from there and we've still got so far to go. But I love the, the way this show, a big plot line, is now linking to this hugely epic, mysterious moment that we heard, which I think made our top five, them listening to the transmission. Hmm. And now we know that person and we've seen her and she's getting character details about not leaving the island. 
it's great how it's all kind of linking together. Even with the cable to the looking glass for season one, it it definitely feels like this episode is the end of chapter one of Lost because when the next season starts up, we've got flash forwards, we've got time travel, we've got all sorts of things happening. Uh, we're moving away from staying on the beach. I feel like this, through the looking glass part two, definitely feels like the end of part one of Lost to me. Yeah, that's a, it's a very good point. I think it's definitely true. And, um, you know, we sort of talked about that, I think, in season one, didn't we? Kind of like the innocent days of Lost and things like that. Mm-hmm. And But, like, yeah, this really... It, I've never really thought about it that way, kind of that like Lost really is almost in two halves. Um, but it, it's definitely... It works. And, um, you know, because, yeah, moving forward, it's going to be about the flashboards and a lot more of the mythology and everything about it too, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't say I'm moving away from character stories, but definitely moving deeper into mythology and shorter store, shorter seasons. Things are getting weirder. Um, there's definitely a, a tone shift come next season. And that's where then they're talking and they run into Ben, who's just ominously standing there, <laughs> coming face to face with them. Um, and jumping back to the looking glass, uh, we learned that the equipment down there is waterproof. So Charlie's questioning, well, why do you need to be there? And it's a little subtle moment, but they're just saying, well, we trust Ben and we trust Jacob. It's, it's subtle, but it shows the blind loyalty. This episode is exposing the others. And in a way, it is the end of the other story in a huge way, but... It's just exposing them to how blind they've been following, not just Ben, but supposedly Jacob as well. Yeah, and it's... um, I mean, we talked about how great these two were sort of in the last episode, but it's just, it's interesting that you meet these two and kind of you just hear that reaction of like, oh, you know, I'm just, I'm loyal to Ben and that, and you believe in them. And it's like, it's it doesn't feel like these are two new characters. Like, it kind of almost feels... Mm. Like, we've known these two before. And this is what's so great about these two, is it just... You literally see them in two episodes, and they're blinking, you're gone, you never see them again. But there's just something familiar about them that you kind of just... You feel. Like, I don't know if that's just because it's sort of... This is very othery. I don't know. Um, but, it, yeah, I don't know. Just They feel very familiar to me. That's a good point, that it doesn't really feel like they're guests or it feels like they have been down at this station for a long time and then we're just popping in on them. Um, but they aren't, they, are, they aren't to be long in this world because Mikhail <laughs> shoots them both in Ben's orders. Um, so the end of Bo- Bonnie and Greta, uh, good characters. Um, and it's it's very Hollywoody. Yeah. <laughs> Where Desmond says, hey. <laughs> and, uh, but it's epic because uh, Desmond, full James Bond style, like, harpoon shoots Mikhail through the you got heart, the point. pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it is a bit like that, but it, it, it's epic, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it's, it's honestly, they're like, I forgot that Des- Desmond was there. So it's kind of like, it's, <laughs> it is a, it's a, it's a bit of a shock in a way because you do forget. But, um, you know, I think. The thing that I really like about it too is because you forget about Mikhail sort of like this is a good thing about his character is he's just he's always like 
dying and coming back again and just kind of like, you know, and like we've talked about a lot this season, about the amount of times, how many characters had the opportunity to like full on kill this guy and that, you know, could have prevented a lot of things happening potentially. But, you know, it's just sort of like, yeah, it's epic the way it's done and then you just think it's all over and then ultimately it's not going to be over. But uh, yeah, I, I just wanted Desmond to drop over. I think he got the point. <laughs> uh, it is very thunderbolly uh, to me. Uh, Greta theories. Um, she is down there so that if any others decide to check on the station is flooded, she can kill them. Um, uh, she's down there to maintain the machines. Uh, well, we know that's not true. Bonnie and Greta might be the competing camp of others. Uh, they are surviving members of the Dharma Initiative, and they look young for the same reason Richard Alpert looks young. That's um, true. Oh, this is where someone else has jumped, chimed in again. Extremely unlikely, as they seem too young to be a being <laughs> born pre-incident. <laughs> so um, I'm just reading, I'm not going to jump in, I'll get you to read it, but I think kind of one of your theories is uh, might be true, at least according to the theories page. Okay, <laughs> Greta and Bonnie are a couple. I, I wrote that theory. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just added that in. <laughs> um, yeah, so I thought there would be more for Bonnie and Greta, to be fair, but rest in peace. Um, so where were we at? Uh, yeah, so Desmond supposedly kills Mikhail, but we've been fooled before. Um, this is where uh, Ben and the camp is. You you said, allow me to do, introduce myself. My name is Benjamin. Don't talk to her! <laughs> uh, uh, and Ben pleads for just five minutes. So Jack's going to give him five minutes. Um, Ben's basically saying that history will repeat itself with a purge like the Dharma Initiative if they call the boat uh, and says that Naomi is not who she, she says she is. So, again, this is where Ben really is telling us season four and he's basically in many ways telling us the truth um and he says that she's a representative of the people who've been trying to find this island which is also true and will be a big part of season four and five why doesn't naomi um, say anything here like their goal is to find benjamin linus so why doesn't naomi as soon as he says hi i'm benjamin linus nice to meet you go like oh there you are well, I guess she's been playing up to this whole we're going to get you rescued thing this whole time. She doesn't want to expose that, oh, we're not here for you. We're here for Ben. Um, but, uh, yeah, Ben basically says, well, if they phone, everyone will die. It's not everyone dies, but a lot of people die. Um which, again, we're saying all this in hindsight. At, at this point, we have no idea who's mm. telling the truth. Yeah. For all we know, Ben just wants them to stay on the island because he doesn't want anyone to expose the island. Um, and this is where he gets Tom on the line. Uh, and then he says, if you don't hear my voice in one minute, oh, you shoot them all. So good. That's classic Benjamin Linus. Uh and he says, Jack, if you bring me the phone, they can live. And Jack refuses, which is the a great move here. on Jack. Oh, sorry. It's so tense. Yeah. And, and then we hear the three gunshots, bang, bang, bang. It's tense, but no one was buying that they died, right? No, I don't think so. Because, like, 
I mean, it would have been a bit of a cheap thing to kill three yeah. major characters off screen like this, but off screen. I, I still don't understand why they don't shoot them. Like it's like they have their reason, but it's their reason is because television. Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess there's, it gives them no a reason. second bargaining chip if they need to bargain again. So. But then again, at the same time, like, well, would you believe them? You lied the first time that you were <laughs> going to kill them, so why would I believe you the second time? <laughs> Like, this, this, is, this is where it was kind of like a couple of weeks ago, where it is really, like, you really felt like Bernard was going to die, didn't you? I think kind of just with the random introduction of Rose and Bernard again, and then just the way they, like, you can sort of tell sometimes when they overplay the dramaticness of, um, you know, a character all of a sudden, and in hindsight, it's really obvious. And this is what works really well with Charlie, because kind of the lead up to his death is sort of like, you're going to die, and you just don't believe he's going to die, so it's a shock that when he actually does. But, like, this is where they could have just easily just killed Bernard, you know, because, I mean... You know, Saeed and, and Jin, they're not going to kill off at this point. It wouldn't have done any difference for Saeed, to be honest. Um, but, <laughs> you know. His character is basically finished anyway. I guess um, you would think that if they weren't going to kill Charlie off, that maybe one of them might have died so that we would have had one of our survivors be killed off. Yeah. It, it does make sense, especially when we bring Bernard. It's such a random character to have. Why didn't they just have two people shooting the tents like why is bernard even here uh, um but yeah it does make sense to think that he might die but i do think it would have diminished charlie's death not majorly but just a little bit if we just killed off bernard and then we killed off charlie um it's still tense though even though you know for sure that none of them have been killed um it's still a tense scene and jack's kind of distressed face acting mm. that he always does it's it, it's good but i can never take it seriously <laughs> but, oh, uh, I, I do like his move though to knock the phone up like he he, he could have pulled a bernard and just given up everything but um he doesn't so then jack thinks that he, he's just let three of them die but I mean, Saeed was saying earlier in the episode, like we we need to get off this island. Like there there may be sacrifices. Yeah. And I I almost think that Saeed thought he was probably going to die when he agreed to do the whole dynamite mission thing. Yeah, and cause was isn't is he the one who says it? Like you know, I am willing to sacrifice myself to get people. Yeah. Because he says that right. So, um. Yeah, exactly. So he's kind of expecting that. And even Jin, you kind of see a little bit there as well. Because, I mean, obviously, Bernard doesn't. Like, you know, Bernard's... Oh, I'm killing him! <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, what I also really like, too, is, again, I'm probably just preempting what you're about to say as well, but um, when Jack grabs... He bashes Ben up and then grabs that radio and it's just like, you know, I'm going to get these people off the island, they're going to come back and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> like, at the same time, like, if that yeah. legitimately happened... So, like, the rescue... Just, I'll admit, imagine it was a, a legitimate rescue. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> oh, we're here to save you. Oh, just one minute. Bang, bang, bang. Oh, okay, thanks. Come on. Rescue me now. I've got to kill Tom. <laughs> it is so epic when he beats the shit out of oh, Ben, though. Yeah. And then Matthew Fox does a great job. At, like, often Jack tries to be threatening and you're just like, oh, come on, Jack. But this time, I'm buying it. Like, when he calls Tom... I'm going to kill you. It, it's it's scary. You can tell that he's pissed off. He's imagining um, Ben's a bus driver. <laughs> Too soon. <laughs> um, 
but that is great. I'm going to leave my people in the tower. I'm going to come find you, and I'm going to kill you. Um, this is where we move back to the looking glass, and Bonnie is dying. But Charlie convinces her to give the code because Ben's been lying to her. She starts rattling out the code. Uh, and what, what? Wait up, start again. Now, here I'm at a moment where I'm torn between this being a suitable closing story to somebody's arc and this just being a little silly. <laughs> I, I can't decide what my opinion on it. The code is good vibrations and it was programmed by a musician. I, I, I'm in this kind of limbo of, in some ways that's kind of cool, touching, kind of this is fate. Other ways it's a bit like, come on. I don't think it needs to be there. Like, you could just literally say the code is good vibrations because it was easy to remember. Like, you don't need to say, oh, it was programmed by a musician. Um, Because, yeah, I'm kind of with you. Like, you see why they're trying to do it. But, yeah, I just don't think you need it. Like, it's just legitimately, it's a long code. Just remember the tune of good vibrations. What if he didn't know? Like, everyone knows good vibrations, I guess. But, like, what if he'd been like, oh... It's the Seventh Symphony by Mozart's daughter or something like that. It's like, oh, must have skipped out on uh, Mozart class that day. My dodgy subtitles. And I say dodgy subtitles. I'm watching this on Netflix, people. This is not an illegal copy. <laughs> it, it says bad vibration. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I'm watching like a dodgy copy from Malaysia or... <laughs> that iconic song by the Beach Men, um, Bad, Bad Vibrations. vibrations. <laughs> yeah, they're all over the shop this week. <laughs> That's funny. That's actually funny. <laughs> Bad Vibrations. Um, the follow-up now, single that not many people realise was a thing. Charlie is not a great musician. This is nitpicking, but he gets his first go of just like, like come on does it not remind you of that episode of south park with towley and it's like it's funky town when he's like punching in the kid have you ever seen that episode oh yeah i didn't think of that (laughs) it just reminds me of that i miss towley (laughs) don't get brain tail (laughs) um yeah it's a bit like i mean we shouldn't waste time of like oh no this wasn't right let me try again but it's a bit like come on um, I, I don't because like how like yeah I, it's been a while since I've had a like a phone with numbers not a touch screen and like they did used to kind of make it so you could make because you would you would be able to make sort of tunes if you knew what you were doing but I, I mean I guess he's a musician so he knows what a note is but I mean like really like can yeah. <laughs> did he compose yeah. you are everybody on a on a phone or something He's not even a good musician either. <laughs> um, uh, so then Jack has... Ben's basically been turned into a dog for the rest of this episode, being like pulled around on the leash pretty much. Um, uh, and this is where we have Danielle and Alex meeting for the first time. No, And I, I like Alex's response. Like, what do you want? What are you looking at? <laughs> Who are you? Uh, and then Ben says, well, this is... You can kind of see that he's given up. Like, I've tried so hard to keep her away from you and all this stuff. This is your mother. Um, it is touching, but in some ways, 
it does feel a bit like not tacked on, but just a little like I don't know. This could have made for like a, a big epic episode, their reunion. Like they could have had a Russo flashback episode where she finally reunites with Alex. Or it, I know they're not important main characters, but even though it's touching, there's something there for me that just feels a little bit like just like it's kind of rushed aside and we're moving on to much bigger and better things. Well, Nikki and Paolo weren't major characters and they got a flashback, so, you know. <laughs> I mean, I will be bitter for the rest of my life that there was no Russo flashback, but we can get to that when we see younger, hot Russo in season five because that's <laughs> not a flashback. But, um, yeah, so uh, they reunite, which is nice, I guess. Um, we see a bit of them together next season. Uh, 16 years in the making. Um, and they get killed off pretty quickly. Oh, uh, don't, don't get me. Tr- you're triggering me. Um, this is supposed to be the good good aspects of Lost. <laughs> we have plenty of time to talk about some bad things like that. Um, not so much Alex. Alex has a great death scene, but Russo... Yes. Um, and uh, Jack tells Kate that Jin, Saeed, and Bernard were killed. Um, and he's brought Ben along because he wants to see them get off the island and wants to see wants Ben to see that he failed. It's a very Benjamin Linus move of Jack. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he's learning from the master. Um, and this is where we get the kind of... It's a little cringy where... I feel like it's a nice reveal, but we didn't need the line of, next time we should shoot them instead of putting three bullets in the sand. <laughs> and then the reveal of the, the three still alive. <laughs> like we didn't need the dialogue there. Poor sand. Just because it's coarse and rough and irritating and gets everywhere doesn't mean you just shoot it. Everyone hates it. Um... <laughs> And now Sawyer and Juliet, without their guns, are looking on. What are we going to do? And we have such an iconic moment, I feel. Hurley coming to save the day in the Dharma van. I remember watching this for the first time, cheering and just... It has to bring a smile that... Yeah. We we liked the Trisha Tanaka is dead episode, but it's nice to see that I mean, let's not think of the logistics of how he got the van and drove it down and whatnot. But <laughs> like, like it's it's such an epic kind of win for our heroes, and it's such a great moment for Hurley. And I love him just charging through in the Dharma van. Isn't isn't it just amazing? It's it's a nice kind of smile moment before some heavy moment. I think it's good because you kind of are thinking like, why have we just had two random moments of people like fat shaming Hurley? Um, it's just yeah, kind it of like, you're, you're fat Hurley, you're fat Hurley. Oh, right. Okay. You get a hero <laughs> moment. Um, so yeah, no, it's great. And I also like it when he eventually gets on the radio, but you'll get to that in a minute. But um, yeah, I, I think it's epic. And then I love kind of like, Saeed so gets into full on action mode here and just snaps the guy's neck with his legs. Oh, that is <laughs> pure classic Saeed, that like drop kick neck snap is, it's one of the last great things that Saeed will do, really. Um, yeah. It's it's epic, uh, but yeah, there's Ryan taken down, um, and this this makes me a little sad. But it's such a it's just such a fitting end for his character. Uh, we love Tom Friendly, 
Juliet's got the gun pointed at him, and Tom basically says, I give up. I, he's doing a Bernard. And Sawyer, cold as day, shoots Tom. And we get the epic line, that's for taking the kid off the raft. And he said he gave up. I didn't believe him. Is that... Tom has been in there since season one, and I feel like originally we thought he was the leader and we see all these layers being peeled back. He's such a, I wouldn't say iconic lost character, but he's such a piece of this kind of mythology of this show. Um, I feel like we could have had Tom for a bit longer, but is this also not the most fitting kind of end to his story? We met him in season one finale. We're up to season three finale. Sawyer was there when we first met him. Sawyer got shot. Walt got taken off the raft, and now we have this final moment after all they've been through, and Sawyer gets his gets his final revenge, and it, it's cold, but it, it, I think it's a fitting end for Tom, right? Yeah, and it, I, obviously none of this would work um, if it wasn't for him having killed uh, Anthony Cooper a couple of weeks ago as well, because like now Sawyer just you know is into this mode that we've already talked about. But yeah, I agree. I think it's. You know, it's. I think he deserved sort of a separate death. I mean, um, you know, he's probably yeah, definitely. easily one of the most recognisable others. But do we see him again in a flash? Something we see him again, don't we? Yeah, we get to meet his boyfriend in a few that's episodes. That's right. That's right. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. And I, I remember. I can't specifically remember what it was that he talked about, but I'm pretty sure we talked about his death sequence in uh, in our interview with Daniel. Now the MC Gainey interview on the Oz Network. <laughs> it's it's a classic. It is actually quite good. <laughs> um, but yeah, he needed his own. Like, I feel like he gets a better death than Rousseau, who's arguably a more important character than he is. Um. It's nice that he gets his own little death and he's not just fully... He didn't get an Admiral Akbar death where he was just lumped with all these other deaths. He Better at than least Mr. Had Echo's a... death. Yeah. Um... Remember him? <laughs> like, Ryan... If this was Ryan, like, we wouldn't have cared, but at least with Tom, it it ties together um, so much. Uh, but I guess we should quickly go through a bit of trivia for Tom because... He was quite an important character. We saw him originally on the boat, the beard, and then with the, uh, this is our island, and you're only living on it because we let you live on it. Um, so just some trivia. Where are we? So the name Friendly was not actually used in an episode until season six, um, but it was used in credits before then. Um hmm. Uh, let me see. Um, sorry. Uh, many P fans thought that the silver-haired man on the stretcher in the hospital was Jack, uh, which Jack was treating to when he was trying to eavesdrop on Christian. Uh, but it wasn't him. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Tom does not like the sight of blood. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, in the hunting party, Sawyer calls Tom Zeke. In the film, The Wizard of Oz, Zeke is the name of one of the farmhand who worked for Dorothy's uncle, Henry Gale. God, that's a, uh, that's a <laughs> obscure one. Uh, yeah. Tom's sexual 
orientation was originally hinted in A Tale of Two Cities when he told Kate that she wasn't his type. Um, MC Ganey confirmed that he deliberately played Tom as being homosexual ever <laughs> since he picked up on internet discussion. He talked about that in our interview yeah. with him. Uh, however, Tom wasn't explicitly confirmed as being gay until a flashback scene in Meet Kevin Johnston after he had already died. Uh, to date, he and Arturo are the only known gay characters to appear on the show. However, it is strongly, uh, <laughs> strongly, uh, <laughs> a strong suspicion that Boone is in fact bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading this screen, and that's not what it says. You sneaky little devil. <laughs> Uh, although Hurley had a sister-in-law, Lisa, who ran off with a weight. Oh, that's right. Uh, the name Arturo may refer to Italian quick-change artist Arturo Bertretti, who is known to be gay. <laughs> Last words. Okay, I give up. Um, I love who is known to be gay. Like, like <laughs> can you just write who is gay? <laughs> like... <laughs> He's known. He's known every now and then. Every now and then, gay. he just, just you know, b- puts he's him known. in the man because why not? Like, <laughs> that's what he's known for. <laughs> um, theories about his role and rank: he was responsible for the others' public relations. <laughs> <laughs> well, PR they're... agent. <laughs> <laughs> they've single-handedly ruined Tom in one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, yeah, no, no, so I can fit you in with an interview with Ben at 12. Um, <laughs> he sent some ben... quotes to me before. I'll just double-check to make sure he knows what he's got to read, ready to answer. And I pencil you in with Jacob. Um... Yeah, Jacob will be having a press conference at about three. Uh, media are welcome, but we ask no cameras. This one's purely audio only. Thanks. Jacob doesn't like to be seen, just so. <laughs> God. PR, how? <laughs> um, theories. He seems less manipulative and more amiable with the losties than Ben and Juliet following his de-bearding. Could have been a fairly low-ranking other. Um, de-bearding. <laughs> um, let's see. Tom was not very bright. Oh. <laughs> and seem to only have an average, a- average education. He is not a specialist in anything. And then this is where someone else jumped in. Not necessarily. He could have been downplaying himself. <laughs> um, yeah. So it would have been nice to have actually found out where Tom came from. We didn't need a Tom flashback, but it would have been nice to get a bit more of his backstory. Um, yeah, anything, last words on Tom? I, he, he is easily, in our ranking of the others, he's up there. He's such a memorable character in Lost kind of history of kind of mini-bosses, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, we've got a bit of a soft spot for him, obviously, because, uh, you know, MC Ganey coming on the show. But, I mean... He's really the first, I mean, outside of Ethan, the first time we ever really had proper contact with him, isn't it? You know, sort of at the end of season one. So, um, sort of confirmation that there was something really bad going on uh, elsewhere on the island. So, yeah, I I think he, I mean, realistically, if you think about the others, he'd be in the top five, wouldn't he? I I would 
not yeah easily i would say um i mean i'm still when we do top 10 greatest moments of the show i'm still putting the we're gonna have to take the boy mm. mm-hmm. up. He, that's him easily in my personal top 10 so he he makes a top 10 moment of the entire show um yeah tom tom is great uh we will see him again so never fear um so to jump back in, this is where we have Hurley with the walkie-talkie. Attention others, attention <laughs> others. Which is such a great. Hurley's great. He gets redemption here, uh, and then he talks to Jack and he tells him Charlie's probably on his way now. Uh, no need to worry. I'm sure he's on his way. Uh, and we have Charlie typing in bad vibrations, um, <laughs> and he turns off the jammer. And coincidentally, there's now a transmission, and pretty much this last scene of Hurley saying "attention, others, attention, others." Everything from that point on is just leading to the epic conclusions of this episode. There's two conclusions really. Um, and there's a transmission, and then what? What's happening? And then <gasps> it's Penny mm. is on the screen, uh, which. Knowing Desmond is right there is so heartbreaking, I think. And he's calling for Desmond, and then she, Penny's saying, oh, did you say Desmond? And then Charlie's mentioning Naomi in the boat. Who's Naomi? What boat? And Sonia Wilder does a great job of making us seem so confused and us being like, oh, my God, what is happening? Um, so... Penny has no idea what's happening, and Desmond is running. It's just so sad to know that that he just missed her. And then we we see over outside the man who seemingly cannot die. <laughs> he's been speared in the the chest, and he's back. I think uh, Mikael is a great character, but I think his shining moment is the face that he pulls in this last moment because that is sinister. When he basically taps on the thing, he has a grenade, and he's just going to flood the station. Um, and he basically pulls off the grenade, kills himself, and in doing so, smashes through the window. So now water is rushing in as Penny's got this bad transmission. Desmond's coming running, and Charlie, seeing what's about to happen, runs shuts the door on Desmond. Now, a lot of people criticise this scene for saying, like, oh, why didn't Charlie just walk out the other side of the door? But I think it's quite obvious. You don't need to think that hard to know that it's fitting with this plot line of Charlie has to die for them to get rescued. Hmm. He knows he's cheated death ten times. This is not just lazy writers and, like, oh, Charlie forgot which side the door was on. To me, it's quite clear why Charlie shuts the door on Desmond. So Desmond's banging on the door. He knows that Penny was there. And then the water is flooding, and we have... Oh, it's really... (laughs) We have life and death playing mixed with Charlie's theme. This kind of remix of the two songs playing together is so epic. And the water is rushing through. And we kept hearing, you have to die, you have to die. We didn't know if it was ever going to happen. 
at this point, we know it's the end for Charlie. After all this, you have to die. Uh, water is rushing through. He writes on the pen, not Penny's boat, that iconic thing, and then that shot of Charlie with his hand up against the wall, and he's looking at Desmond, nods, and the look on Desmond's face as the water is completely covering Charlie, the music, life and death, it's not Penny's boat. We don't know who's coming to this island. Ben was right. And it finally happened. Charlie so much wanted to be somebody in the moth. He wanted to help. Nobody wanted his help. He's constantly looking. He wanted to be a hero, but he was just a failure for most of his life. And he finally got his redemption. Charlie died a hero. And we have the greatest death scene in Lost and one of the greatest death scenes in TV history. It's... I still cry watching this scene. Oh, um, I was crying. Like, just... You can't... And it's, it's... And look, neither of us exactly come out and say, like, Charlie's the best character ever in the show. Um, but it's just the manner and just everything about it just so incredibly crazy and epic. Um... I'll admit I'm one of the people who is like, well, why doesn't he just run out the door and close it? Or, like, why doesn't he just jump in the water and swim up to the top? <laughs> um, but, again, it, it does come down to the fact it's like, well, he's got to die. We, we've established this. And this, just what makes it so good as well, is, again, kind of what I was mentioning before. We've had how long of this season about Charlie having to die? And it's one of these things where you're going to shoot like, oh, he's not going to die. Like, you know, he's going to get rescued and nothing's going to happen. And we kind of get alluded to this too here, don't we? When... He sort of says to Desmond, like, oh, no flashes. And he's like, oh, no. And so I was like, oh, sweet. So, you know, everything's looking hunky-dory. But um, just just the moment he puts that up in the, the window with his hand, I mean, is that the most iconic three words that this show has ever produced? You've got it to, has to be. The, the, the one catchphrase from this show, it's got to be not Penny's boat. Uh, I still to this day want a T-shirt that says "Not Penny." You had a T-shirt, didn't you? That said it right. I had a, a "Not Penny's Boat" shirt. Uh, I still, I would wear one gladly today, and it's been what twelve years since this episode. Um, so yeah, and like it's just you said before, like pretty much everything from this point onwards is just this is where it is just beyond epic. But um, just the the look, just the way kind of Desmond puts his hand up on the glass, and just that sort of even that look that Charlie has on his face, which is kind of like accepting it. And he kind of crosses himself. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a weird, it's not really a weird comparison. I mean, it's basically the same sort of thing, isn't it? In, in Casino Royale when Vespa sort of dies. But I mean, the difference there is sort of Vespa's got that like horrified look on her face where she kind of regrets her decision at the last minute. And then she sort of dies. Um, whereas this one, it's kind of just like, it's just so accepting. Um, and, oh God, it's just, you know, this is going to be in our top five of this season. It's going to be in our top five for the all ten ten parts of six seasons. So it's just it's really even even Mallory, who has not watched all of Lost, knows this moment. And when I sort of said to her today, like I rewatched this episode, and I said like I cried. She's like, oh, and Charlie's death, and I'm like, yep. She's like, yeah, I cried in that too. Like I think everyone cries in that scene. So. um so crazy. I just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. I typed in, I don't even know what I googled. Oh, I was trying to find out is um, 
Because I'm, I'm trying to be a grammar Nazi. Like, shouldn't it be Penny, like, with an apostrophes boat? Like, come on, Charlie. Like, you know, proper grammar as you're dying, please. Um, but it is, like, isn't it? Is there? I don't think there is an apostrophe on his hand. Or am I just blind? Maybe I'm blind. But um, for some reason, I've come onto Reddit, and there's a, a topic on Reddit. Who is this Penny that people are on about? <laughs> As exemplified by this comment, who is this Penny person that, every, that people are on about? I've seen her mentioned several places, but I've never been able to find any reason for why people are on about her. <laughs> oh. Poor Penny. <laughs> who is this Penny? Every, everyone, like, this is a very long thread. Like, a lot of people are going into explanation about who Penny <laughs> is. Everything's all like, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Um, but... uh, there is an, an apostrophe, but he was also dying. So. Oh. Um, yeah, it's just, it's perfect. And the way Dominic Monaghan plays it, the way it's been directed and... This is Michael Giacchino's score at his absolute greatest, combining his theme with life and death. And then the kind of eerie calmness as Mm. Charlie's body floats away at the end. And it will be echoed with, uh, not echo, but with another two characters who also drown, who would also Mm. probably go as number two in the best deaths. Um, there's just this kind of weird calmness, and it's like he's accepted his fate. He gives that nod. It's he's kind of not only did he redeem himself, have his heroic moment of turning off the 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 transmitter, but then he also had his final last warning, um, last kind of act before before he left, and he's accepted his fate. And he even talks like last week, my greatest hits are my sorry excuse for a life. And he's not had the greatest life. And uh, he did manage to find some meaning on the island. But ultimately, he took the sacrifice. Uh, He died the heroic death that I think that he so desperately wanted. And everything about the scene is perfect in the it's so sad. It's a little shocking. But it's not shocking in the fact that once it happens, you're like, well, they've been warning us. Like, yeah. This is, it's more like, no, 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 no. Um, but just the way it all comes together with drowning and the... If he had just drowned, it would have been sad. But it's the not Penny's boat and the fact that Desmond just missed out on talking to Penny after however many years. And then Charlie floating off, it's... Everything about the way this scene is constructed is perfection. Couldn't agree more. And I did read that this episode alone was nominated for uh, how many Emmys? Three Emmys and a Directors Guild of America um, and won a lot of awards. And, I mean, this is the anchor of it all. I mean, it's the thing that's sort of, you know, we keep talking about how epic the last 15 minutes are, the fact that we just have such two iconic moments. Like, you watch this scene and you legitimately are like, okay, well, they can't outdo that. Like, that's just yeah, holy fuck. Like, that's, that's it. That's it. That's that's where it is. And I often used to forget that uh, this was in the same episode. As we've got to go back, Kate. We've got to go back. Like it's just, you know, like the punch one followed by punch two very very shortly. Although we do have to follow the greatest, ugly one of the greatest scenes in Lost of all time with Claire. But um, <laughs> I guess we've got to eulogise Charlie first, don't we? Um. Yeah, but this scene will not only have its greatness in this but we're, we're going to get some amazing hurley stuff 
mm. next episode based on this as well. And, yeah, we should eulogise him because I've been quite vocal in not being the biggest Charlie fan, and I think this rewatch has lowered him even more for me. But he was, when the show first started, he was one of the most iconic characters, and and I, I did was a big fan of him the first time watching. Uh, most people recognised him more than anyone in this show, and he was super popular, and I, I do think rewatching and critiquing it after he shot Ethan, he literally basically had nothing to do in his story arc until midway through season three, the whole you're going to die, Charlie. All of season two, not only was he had nothing to do, but the stuff that he did, it was bad. Fire plus water will go down as a bottom five episode. And I've been to the moth. Uh, you've been to homecoming. We've both been fire plus water. Charlie's plot lines, he didn't have a lot to do, and it became very much like, you all, everybody's, will go down as one of the worst moments in Lost for me. Um, uh, but even even if I'm not a fan, I, I do think Dominic Monaghan, I'm not a fan of him either, but I do think he's a good actor. There is... Charlie is a... He's a prick. He's awful. He's not a good person, but there's something charming about the character of Charlie. He's not the guy going off on all the missions. He does have a sense of humour and it definitely is more of that British humour against the American humour. And He does try and he always wants to do the right thing and he falls up, which is very human. Um, and his relationships with the other characters, like his relationship with Hurley is so sweet. They're best friends, but they're never... It's not like they're always going out of the way to say, like, look, we're best friends, but they just show it through their interactions. And his relationship with Claire, we talked about last week, is almost, like, more real than a lot of the other relationships. And he just has that charm that even though I think they screwed up with his plot lines after Midway Season 1, they brought it back full circle and... Even if I'm not a big fan, I'm crying. It's He goes out with a bang, and a lot of people hated Boone, Shannon, and their deaths, they're sad, but they're more shocking and kind of like, feel like less people cared. I think even the biggest Charlie haters, I think, accept that his art came full circle, and you can't help but be emotional or this. And even though he dies and he doesn't get to be with Claire, doesn't get to be with Aaron, he, he does get redemption in the end, and there's a lot of flaws with Charlie's character, but I think there is some good stuff that you can talk about. Yeah, I think you summed it up very well. I mean, I was never a Charlie hater. Uh, I just guess I kind of always liked him, found him, found him endearing, but I would say that this rewatch has definitely lessened my um, <laughs> liking of Charlie, um, sort of discussing his character. Um, I can definitely see his flaws, but I, I think kind of you summed it up very well. Like, I mean, there's just still something likable about him. Um, and I mean, I don't know if that does come into this because he was the movie star coming into this, uh, show. Maybe, I don't know, but it's, I mean, it's a weird comparison because I just want to talk about Boone clearly, but I mean, I feel like Charlie kind of is what Boone could have been. Like, I know they're kind of different characters, but they're still sort of young, 
you know, attractive guys who kind of were there, but not necessarily always super important to the plot. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know, because I, I, you're right, like, with Boone and Shannon's death, it's just kind of, it's it's more of a shock. I mean, everyone really to this point that died, it's just been more of a shock more so than a sort of a... This is, I feel, the first one you really feel, like, yeah. that emotional kick of them dying. And it's not really going to be until, you know, five and six where we get that again, is it? Um, because, <laughs> you know, there is... It's always the drowning deaths that are the hardest. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it's... I think you summed it up really, really well. It's it's just such a... What a way to go out. And, look, I, I've only... I've not really watched all the Lord of the Rings movies, so I wasn't really familiar with him coming into it. I watched Dominic Monaghan in those... That uh, Bite Club, which he was good in that, for that Australian drama. I don't think I've really seen him in anything else. Um, obviously, Star Wars coming out soon, so... Um, hopefully he'll be good in that. But no, I I think he seems like a nice guy in real life. So I I have nothing against him as a person. But uh, to me, he will always be Charlie. So yeah. I just think, and coming into the show, he had such a big role. He was like involved in so much of the plot early on, and his character, it seemed like, was one of those top like six. But he just kind of faded around season two and there wasn't a lot for him but it, it all came back around and I think Charlie definitely cemented his legacy with this show and at the same time I think it was right for them to end his storyline here um so yeah goodbye Charlie we will see him next episode <laughs> and uh he's in the finale too so they, they always honored Charlie's role in the show even if he leaves Midway through the show, he was still an important part of this series. At the same time, I feel like we're not missing him. It was sad, but it, it feels right. Um, so, what a scene, though. Like, everything about it. Dominic Monaghan, Ian Cusick, they do an amazing job. Jack Bender's directing. Everything. Perfection. Um, I can remember it clearly, watching it. Um so you'd think that would be it. Like, how sad, let's move on. think we would be done. But we have this amazing juxtaposition of Naomi's phone working and everyone's celebrating. Charlie just got us rescued. Um, which, for them, they're all celebrating, but we know what's just happened. So it's kind of, we're still sad from that. I know we went to a commercial break, but when they come back, everyone's still crying. Um, hmm. So now they can call the boat, but the the, the message is still blocking um, Russo's message. But they're at the radio tower now. And this is such a great little moment that I feel like most people forget. But in many ways, this is the ending for Russo's arc in this show as well. She's been a kind of minor character, but... It's kind of an end to her plot that she gets to switch off this recording that was there in the pilot. She's been playing for 16 years. Uh, she gets that satisfaction of being the one to end it. She started the recording. She's ending it. And I love that we get to hear like the iteration, blah, 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 blah. It's just a kind of a callback to the pilot. Um, she, she got to reunite with Alex 
16 years later, she got to turn off this message. She's accepted that she'll never leave the island now. All in all, I, I feel like people kind of forget that Rousseau has quite a bit in this episode. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's just because there's so much happening elsewhere, isn't there? So it's kind of she's not yeah. the one that we need to focus on the most. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I like the fact that we get a bit of stuff with her, like closure of her arc. I, I, I like her meeting Alex. Like, yeah, kind of, I agree what you said. It sort of, it could have been done um, differently in a, in another context with things. But, um, no, I think it it's good that she's getting some, some good stuff here. I'm going to miss Russo. I like yeah, her. I agree. Um, and then this is where Ben's begging Jack not to make the call. If you do this, it's the beginning of the end, which is the name of the next episode. Um, then we have this shock horror, whew, knife to the back of Naomi. Ah, <laughs> uh, I I've had my criticism with Locke's character this season, and I think this is a a suitable ending for him this season because this, to me, is so out of character. Uh, he literally couldn't kill his own father who stole his kidney, pushed him out a window because he's not a killer. Which I get, it's his own father. But it's so out of character for Locke to just be throwing knives in people's back and murdering women he's never met in his life. Like, I... I Locke does a lot for the island, but he's not one of these characters that just goes around shooting people or killing people. And I know, who knows what Walt told him, like, you've got to stop this woman. We don't really know. But it a lot of Locke this season was out of character, and I feel like this is completely out of character if I have to criticise this episode. The thing that I most... I find most odd and whatever about it is just the fact that he does it. We get this like epic, like gun moment. And then he just kind of gives up. Like, it's just kind of, yeah. He like <laughs> wanders, but hobble, hobbles back into the jungle. Yeah. Like, I mean, if, if anything to me, like we've already had enough shocks, but actually shoot Jack or like have someone subdue him. Like, I mean, you've got like 40 survivors here. Like, why is not one person, like, running after him, tackling him or something like that? Um, it, just, it just seems odd that he's like, Vroom! and then he's like, okay, thanks, bye. Back into the jungle. Yeah. Uh, luckily, Locke's character does get a bit better in season four. But so much of season three I was critical about, and I feel like he's barely been in this episode. And it's a fitting kind of out-of-character thing for him to just cold-bloodedly murder Naomi. Um, we won't eulogize Naomi because... There's nothing to eulogize uh, of. <laughs> well, maybe that, but she's also not dead yet. Um, <sighs> I love this little subtle moment of uh, Russo punching Ben when he's yeah. speaking up. Oh, I love the look on her face when she does it. She's so happy she's, that she's done it. She's just getting so much revenge for 16 years of him stealing her baby. and it, It's great. Um, and then... Locke says he'll kill Jack if he doesn't put the phone down. And Jack, you're not supposed to do this. And I'm with Jack here. Like, there's got no reason to think that that this is not rescue. And this is where we said, yeah, Locke just walked back into. I was almost laughing at how he just kind of like, <laughs> walked back into the jungle. Like, all right, bye. Um, and then we, the call, it, it's ringing, and then we get. Oh, this is Minkowski. 
and for the first time in three seasons of this show, a survive one of our survivors is talking to someone from the outside world, and we actually will meet Minkowski in the show uh, next season. And Jack, I'm one of the survivors of Oceanic Eight One Five. Can you get a fix on our location? Yeah, of course. Um, hold tight, we're coming to get you. And we have this epic music. And these guys have been stuck here. They've been through hell for three seasons. Finally, this girl parachuted on the island. Charlie sacrificed himself. They got a call, and they're talking to someone who can come and rescue them. And it's finally happened. They're getting saved. And no one ever thought that this show, they would get rescued by season three, halfway through. And there's this big zoom out, this epic music, and it's just so much hope the, from the plot, the acting, the music. It's so much hope. And people are coming to get our survivors, and we think this is going to be the ending of the episode. Like, we're Which going it would to be, be a rescued. great ending. Uh, let's be honest, it would, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, it becomes a greater moment for what we're about to talk about, but is it not just. It builds you up of, like, you can't help but Charlie just died, but the emotions we're, we're feeling right now, we've gone from intense sadness to, oh, my God, are we actually about to get rescued? Like, we've been we've been following these guys for three years of our lives, of watching this show, and we've seen all the hardships, and they've taken down the others, they've turned the, the signal off, and they're actually going to get rescued. Speaking of Charlie's death, are we not going to like go through trivia and shit with him, or are we just going to ignore him? <laughs> well, I read through it. There wasn't really anything too interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, like, I mean, this is what I was saying before. I think kind of like in a season where we're already going to have five moments and clearly two are going to be from this, is probably not going to make it. But, I mean, I, I think this is a, a, a at least an honourable mention that would maybe make a top ten moments of this season. Just because it is, like, as you said, everything just there. Like, you feel with hope. Like, this, this is what you expect from a show like this that they get stranded and crash on an island and want rescue and this is the moment like this is it like they've be- they're finally being rescued at least you think so um i mean it's kind of like what that show prison break was about them breaking out of prison which didn't they do it in the first season like it was kind of okay good job blow your wad now but um i mean this is this is what you ultimately assume is going to happen is they're going to get rescued so yeah it's it's such a great moment and just the music and just everything about it. The look on Ben's face when kind of like this yeah. guy is just like, you know, yeah, no, I've locked you. We'll send someone out for you now. Like, it's just so much hope, so much everything about it. And, um, yeah, it's just, it is an incredible moment. I mean, again, every minute of the last 15 or so minutes is an incredible moment. But, you know, this just adds to everything with it. I mean, I'm much more of a, a classic Lost fan, season one to three. Well season one and two and some season three uh but this just knowing what's coming next is really getting me quite amped up for season four and five because there's a lot of great stuff coming with all of this plot line um but i mean even in a meta context the fans knew at this point that there was an end date so when you say oh we're going to come and rescue you we know that there's an end date um but we're just thinking, oh my god! But there's three seasons. Are they actually going to get off the island? Like, 
I think most people assumed the finale of Lost would be them getting rescued. Like, I remember, I can vividly remember having a conversation with my brother thinking, oh, what's, what's the final episode of this show going to be? And we said, well, some of them are going to die and some of them will get rescued. No one, there was no one, and some people might claim in hindsight, oh, I thought this was going to happen. No one thought in Lost they were getting off the island mid-show, midway through. It's not like season six, they got off the island, they came back. Season three, the ending, season four, they're getting off the island. No one saw this coming, which I feel like is appropriate to lead into the end scene here. Um, We have this big sign of hope. We're coming to get your location. Our survivors are actually going to be rescued. And this is where we... Just when you think Charlie's died, we've had that. Surely the episode is over. No, it just keeps pummeling you. Um, we cut back to our flashback. Um, and the final scene of the episode, Jack's in his apartment. Um, we see these maps everywhere. There's oceanic tickets. Um, and he finally gets that woman on the phone that he's trying to talk to. He says, meet me at the airport. It's night time. They're at the airport. Kate's, uh, Jack's there. Then this car pulls up. And it's Kate. I remember this. Like, what? I was like, just so. I just didn't know what to think at this moment. Like, I. Even at this point, I don't think I was thinking, like, oh, it's a flash forward. I just. I just didn't know. I was like, what? I think many people, even up to this point, thought, what, Jack knew Kate before they got on the island? Thinking there would be some revelation that they all knew each other and have forgotten or something. Like, I think there were a lot of people who didn't even know it was a flash forward yet. But Kate is there. And I saw you on the news, uh, still pulling people out of burning wreckage. Mm. Old habits. And just the way this has been edited, it's like the tension and just the mystique of everything where you can't take your eyes off it. Like you're literally holding your eyes open watching this. It's like everything that's coming together here is the most lock in a wheelchair, big shock, all these different things that happen, big shock this up until three seasons, season three faltered many times this is lost at its... You cannot take your eyes off the screen. Uh, and Jack talks about, well, did you go to the funeral? And Kate says, why would I go to the funeral? Um, Jack says, oh, well, I've been flying a lot. I've been going to Tokyo. And Matthew Fox does an amazing job here at just being at the end of his line. And even Evangeline Lee. I've been flying Tokyo, London, Sydney just hoping it would crash. I don't care about anyone on the plane. I'm just hoping it would crash. Uh, I close my eyes and I pray. He says, I'm sick of lying about everything. Um, Sick of it all. And God, this is great. I want to watch this scene. (laughs) As soon as we're done, I'm re-watching this. But Kate uh, says, I have to go. He's going to be wondering where I am. And Jack says, we're not supposed to leave. Kate just gives him this shocked look and she gets in the car and we have to go back, Kate. We have to go back. Psh, lost. 
end season, this was not a flashback. This was a flash forward all along. Jack and Kate made it off the island, and it's not a good thing. And I have so much to say about it, but even 12 years later, I struggle to process everything that's happening in this scene of just how epic it is. Not to take away from the epicness of this moment, but do you need to, like, feed your cat or something in the background there? I'm just a bit worried <laughs> that it's it's a bit hungry at the door or something. <laughs> just, <laughs> all I'm hearing today is... Row, row. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's... Uh, not only is this lost at its, this is television at its just absolute finest. Just to, Hands you down. know, I mean, I think about some of the biggest like twists or shock moments I've ever seen in TV, and you know, I often probably say like House of Cards, Train Death is maybe the one that I was like legitimately the most like what the hell just happened moment. Um, but like this is maybe up there as well. Not maybe this is up there as well. Um, I'm just absolutely incredible because, like, as soon as you see Kate, like, you just, you just, so much processing is going on. Like, you you just, you just do not know what, like, and even the music, the way they kind of sort of like, there's like just this little soft little music playing to kind of like fit in with it. And just, um, yeah. I mean, even when you know that this is a flash forward, even when you're seeing it and just know what it's leading up to, it's just, it's just so beyond crazy um and you just like there's three moments in these last 15 minutes that you could end a season on like and each is going to have the same reaction well maybe not quite the same reaction but each is going to have a satisfying conclusion where you're like holy shit i want to see season four that's charlie dying not penny's boat that's hey we're getting rescued and then that's obviously this so it's just like i i i really think that these writers would have been sitting in that room together just high-fiving each other going, mate, we're fucking good. Like, this is incredible. Uh, because, geez, like, I really wish that we were podcasting when this was live. <laughs> that cat really needs some... <laughs> we're trying to talk about the most epic moment in Lost history, cats. <laughs> How many are there? <laughs> They're multiplying. <laughs> Korea's been invaded by cats. <laughs> um. Of course, we get to this scene and the choir of cats. In, in Oz Network tradition. <laughs> um, this scene's just epic, okay? <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> it's just. Luckily, I heard one of my neighbours shouting at them, so I think we're <laughs> we're, we're safe. <laughs> oh no! We're not. <laughs> oh. 
Oh my god. The Oz Network featuring the cast. <laughs> it's our special preview episode of the movie Cats coming out later this year. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to talk about how much of a game changer this is. Somebody get those cats a tin of whiskers. Like, just... <laughs> it's just this scene, this show. Let's be honest, we're big fans, and I stick to this show thick and thin, but. It, it is, in a way, not hard to see why fans were tuning out mid-season three, end of season three. They were done with the show. Like, this is not going anywhere. Not necessarily my opinion, but I can see why a vast majority of people dropped off. And if this show kept going the way it was going, season four, season five, it, more and more. But in one scene, they single-handedly... They single-handedly changed the entire show. They basically rebooted Lost halfway through. A brand new thing. They took a a classic trope of the show, Flashbacks, which was getting super stale, turned it on its head, and now we're going to show you the future. Oh, yeah, they did get off the island midway through the show, not at the end of the show, like most people thought. Oh, yeah, and by the way, it was not a good thing. Jack is trying to kill himself. Uh, And... They just turned the show completely on its head. It's great because it's a you-didn't-see-it-coming twist, but it's even better that it's a game-changing twist and it completely reinvented the show. And how many shows have done pulled that off where halfway through they just take all of our expectations, flip it on its head, and bring us something so epic and something new? And how does this not get you pumped up for season four? And, oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> And cats agree. They're getting really pumped up for season four. <laughs> they love season four, those cats. Uh, oh, yeah. Season four, yeah. Uh, the constant. Yeah. Uh, yep. Um, and the way it's juxtaposed with the epic su- scene of hope that we mentioned could easily be a top five as well. The We're coming to rescue you. Literally seconds later, we get this scene of, oh, they did get rescued. At least two of them. And it was a bad, terrible thing. And and we're still reeling from Charlie's death ten minutes ago. Mm. It's just, it's an onslaught. And it's, even, you said it, even knowing about this game-changing reinvention, reboot, epic twist, which has acted perfectly, pulled off perfectly, even knowing about this all, re-watching it, it still gives me chills. It's... It's one of TV's greatest moments. And even naysayers have lost. I feel like this moment still gets gets the credit that it deserves as an epic TV moment. I think that even, like, if people were criticising anything and they're, like, thinking, like, well, you know, they've just shown their cards now. We know they get rescued, so where to from here? But, like, I think, you know, as you were saying, like, you know this show has an end date. You know it's still got three more seasons to go. Like, how are they possibly going to be able to do this? But I think kind of if you think about and analyse it, obviously we've got the big reveal that Jack's struggling and kind of they've got to go back. They should have never been rescued. But even just subtle little things that he says, like, you know, I'm sick of lying. You know, like, what's he lying about? Like, we're going to find that out. And kind of, you know, we knowing that they're rescued and kind of that, that just adds the intrigue, which is going to add the intrigue to it with the flash forwards. Cause with flashbacks, you know, we know where they are. 
So it's kind of like, you know, we know they're not going to die in a flashback or, you know, we're just kind of seeing what makes them a character. Flash forwards are just completely open-ended. They're, they're, you know, anything can happen to them, can't they? So it's yeah. kind of just, it's it just, as you said, it kind of reboots it and kicks it into a new gear, which very few shows can do successfully. Um, and I mean, look, you, you're probably going to laugh at this and that's fair enough. It sounds funny the way I bring it up, but I mean, the other big show that came out with Lost on the same network, of course, and the big hit, not, you know, Desperate Housewives, they did a very <laughs> similar s- thing. Uh, I think it was season four, season the five. Cats are making no <laughs> you know, now they're quiet. They're like, oh, fuck Desperate Housewives. I'm going now. Um, that they basically, at one of the end of the seasons were like, we're going to jump forward five years into the future for the next season. And, like, that's a jump-the-shark moment if you've ever heard one on paper. But it, it it legitimately worked. Like, it actually worked really, really well in kind of completely reinvigorating the show. So maybe it was an ABC thing in the mid-2000s that, like, kind of their big hits, they were successfully able to kind of give them new life at a certain point when maybe they felt they had no direction for them. So, yeah, very intelligent. Works a treat and... um yeah, this this or Charlie will be number one for both this yeah. season and the whole six seasons. It's just like we're three seasons in, and they're still giving us two of the best moments. And this show desperately needed this at this point. With the the we had Jack's tattoo episode and <laughs> lock at the lock at the drug compound. This show desperately needed a reboot, and this they couldn't have pulled it off any better. Um, and let's not even ignore what Jack says as well. The iconic saying, we have to go back. Not only did they get off the island, now they're talking about freaking going back to this place that they've worked so hard to get off. It just raised so many questions, and I remember the excruciating wait between season three and season four. Like, what a way to end a season and I think even rewatching this now it reinvigorated my love for the show then even doing these recaps season three was a bit of a slog at some time it's reinvigorated me now I'm like all right let's get into season four and just talking about it is this is why I love this show so much scenes like this no few tv shows are giving us this range of emotion in one episode back to back to back and having a mind-blowing twist mixed with an epic death, and I can only say positive things. I couldn't agree more, and I'm sure the cats would agree too. Are they? No, they're quite. <laughs> uh, so that's the end. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back. Bang, lost the end of season three. Um, we had to wait a year for season four to kick up, which was only 14 episodes long, and there were just so many... So many possibilities going forward. We thought this show was getting so stale, but now suddenly it feels like there are endless possibilities. Um, and it definitely raises a lot of questions uh, going forward. So we may as well get into questions and answers. Um, uh, where do we begin? Um, who is in the coffin? Who is in the coffin? Why do they have to go back? <laughs> Yeah, or how did how did maybe not why did they have to go back, but how did Kate and Jack get off the island? Maybe because yeah. at this point we only know it's them; we don't know anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, who is Who's the he? That, 
Well, yeah, who's Bo if it's not Penny? And then who is he that Kate talks about? He's waiting for me. We find that out, don't we? Yeah. Well, at this point, we don't know. It could be Sawyer, it could be Locke, it could be anybody, but we find out. It's Hurley. (laughs) They finally get together. (laughs) I think that's everything. Um... Uh, will they get rescued? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did we have any answers? Oh, will Charlie die? Question. Yeah, he does. <laughs> oh. Um, is that the only one? So I feel like we missed some. So, monster, polar bear. Where are they? Shepherd, Christian's body. Uh, whispers. Who are the others? We still haven't found that out, have we? Was that the Dharma Initiative? No. We've had little bits, but we should come back to it when we've compiled more. Sickness. What happened to Nadia? Why is Walt special? Numbers. Hurley Hospital. Black Pearl. Hurley Bird. Pierre Chang. Yeah, no. That would be the only one that I can see here. So, lots of questions, but not a lot of, um, not a lot of answers. What's up um, with Desmond's visions? That doesn't get answered till next season. Yeah, we're, we're done. Uh, let's quickly go through the trivia, um, if there's anything. This is the last episode of Sarah. Uh, Charlie's, uh, death was voted number eight in UK TV special top 50 TV endings. Nope. Yeah. What was number one? The, whis- <laughs> the whispers that Locke hears when he's about to shoot himself is voices that say, help me, and Naomi, I don't know that name, and I have hell to pay. Um, according to Hans' inversion of this episode, the mission Charlie goes on to stop the jamming device was partly inspired by Han Solo's mission to Endor during the movie Return of the Jet. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> And that's why he uh, got the role in Star Wars, the <laughs> last Skywalker return, whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> this is Tom's last living appearance. Um, throughout the episode, Jack's called a hero by three people. Uh, there's a lot about license plates, which is not interesting at all. Um, first episode with flash forwards, oh, really. Um the bridge in which Jack plans to jump from is the 6th Street Viaduct in Los Angeles. In 2016, the bridge was demolished to make way for a replacement due to safety concerns around the integrity of the structure. Ah, interesting. This was the only scene in the entire show to be filmed on location on the US mainland. That's why <laughs> it looks so much like LA. There you go. Wow, I didn't know that until just then. That's that's new for me. Um, yeah. There's a lot of boring, uh, boring trivia there. But... I found so... the um, on YouTube the 50 greatest TV endings. <laughs> I really oh, want to see what's a... uh, without watching the whole two hours worth. Hang on a second. <laughs> um, if I skip through to the end, um, it looks like it's a Doctor Who episode. I want to say. <laughs> Um, it looks very Doctor Who-y, so, yeah, I'm going to say Doctor Who. Something Doctor Who. Yep. Possibly. Okay. Something British. 
Um, so, what a what a marathon! What an epic episode! Um, I I'm buying this for all the reasons we talked about, not just the two great moments, but what an episode of television. Lost knows how to do its finales, and this is up there. Um, so I'm buying it, and I I assume I know what you're doing. 100% buy, and I will say that this is number one on my wow. really? list uh, what, as of What now. was number two? Uh, Exodus Part 3. Uh, also so a finale. Been, yeah, so the, well, actually, my top three are all finales, so <laughs> number three... Lost does its finales, right? Uh, number three is Live Together, Die Alone Part 2, um, <laughs> followed by number four, Pilot Part 1. <laughs> <laughs> you just watched the start and the end. <laughs> yeah, I just watched the beginning and the end. Uh, Walkabouts, the fourth, yeah, just the first disc on the DVD. Um, but then even actually, like, my top ten, uh, there's Exodus Part 1, Pilot Part 2, Pilot Part 1, Live Together, Die Alone Part 2, Exodus Part 3, and Looking Through the Looking Glass Part 2. <laughs> I just like the two three-parters. <laughs> uh, so... It's your number one so far for all the reasons we've talked about. Make it make be a, yours at the moment right now from off the top of your head. It's up there. I do I do love Pilot and I do love Exodus as well. But it would be top five for sure. Um, maybe number one. May, it's your number one. We're midway through the show, a bit past midway. We've got three more seasons. They're shorter. Make a... A bold, or maybe not bold, prediction. Do you think this will be the number one, or do you think it will be topped in the next three seasons? I remember this more than the constant, um, but I still know I really like the constant. So I don't think I think it's going to be one of those two episodes. In complete honesty, because like there's nothing that I can think right now that I automatically go, I fucking love that episode. I do really like the Richard flashback episode. Yeah, that will be and a top I- ten. And I actually really like the whole Jacob episode when it's like Jacob and they, <laughs> there's a kid. Like, I know that's an unpopular, but I actually really like that episode. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would I would just think in the top of my head, 100% top five, probably top two. I'm actually just looking here quickly. I found a couple of articles where they were ranking the greatest episodes of Lost. Screenfellows.com has it at number two and IGN.com has it at number two. So uh, I'm sure you can uh, guess what number one is on both of those lists, and we're about yeah. a few weeks away from it. So yeah, it's a contender. Um, I love uh, this episode. It's lost its finest. I love the constant. Um, I love the season four finale. I think that's one of the most underrated of Lost. Um, the Richard episode is great. Uh, the season five finale is great. Um, there's some good season five episodes. Uh, I like the end. Probably not going to make it into uh, the top top three spots, but I feel like that would be higher than a lot of people will have it. Yeah, Richard's episode. So there's a lot of good episodes coming, but this, this will be top five, I'm sure. Um, so much good stuff here. So, Ben... We finally did it. Season three felt like it was never going to end. But the last five weeks or so, we've gone out with a bang, especially leading up to this two-part finale. It's finally done. Uh, Not my favorite season, but we'll talk more about it in our next episode, which will be 
the recap of season three where we'll go through it all and go through our our top five moments of the season we know at least two of them uh the, the other three is going to be not as easy as it was for season one and two because i feel like the quality drops off but i feel like there'll be lots of kind of mini contenders compared to season one and two where it was just obvious what the top six or seven was going to be um so that should be interesting and we'll go through our favorite highlights lowlights of season three um and then next after that we head into season four shortest season of lost um some people love it some people will put it a bit lower um i guess we'll recap the beginning of the end um in our season three recap but yeah looking forward to talking about season three next and closing this chapter of season three and also of part one of lost as i called it earlier before i i like a good recap episode why not um <laughs> you'd have to watch anything <laughs> i don't i could just come into it and write notes and stuff and yeah so um no that, that'll be fine to recap season three but uh yeah i'm looking forward to getting into the in season four and all that because these are kind of the episodes that i really remember the least like i mean obviously there's a few that i remember and i remember what happens but it's kind of you know it's sort of just oh Even yeah for that... me, really i'm much mm. more knowledgeable on season one to three than four to six yeah so i'm looking forward to not being the only dumb one in the room then well <laughs> yeah true <laughs> Yeah, so that will come next, and then we'll get into Season 4, and we are over the halfway point, 14 for Season 4, and then 17 for 5 and 6, so the beginning of the end is coming, Uh, we're moving on. Um, So in the meantime, please let us know what you thought of the two-part last epic finale, is it your number one, your number two, or... Do you have some sort of controversial hipster opinion where it's like number 57 or something? Um, Let us know. We'd love to hear. Uh, Let us know what you thought of season three. And if you have any thoughts or questions or anything going forward, please write us in. Um, In the meantime, from me, my name is Noah and my my many choir of cats, uh, not Penny's boat. Rest in peace. And my name is Ben, and in Catish, I'm going to say... (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.